Hey, everybody. Welcome to Dawson's Darlings. So instead of a normal episode this week, we'll be talking to Eddie Mills, who played Ty, Jen's love interest in these last three episodes. Eddie had a lot of really great behind-the-scenes stories to tell. We had a great time talking to him, and we really think that you're going to enjoy it as well. So please enjoy Eddie Mills. Welcome. We're very excited about this. Yeah, thank you so much for taking the time. Yeah, of course. It was funny because when I got the email about doing this, um, I, I had a quick like, oh, you know, I should probably go back and rewatch the episodes and get myself familiar because it had been such a long time. And I am really glad I did. It is <laughs> very interesting to sort of look at that character with a 20 year now, you know, gap in between. Uh, was it's, it's a little wild to tell you the truth. I mean, to see the things that, you know, that, I think maybe the wordings and some of the things I said at the time. Wow, man, Ty was a complicated guy, wasn't he? Yeah, I mean, we say that a lot in the podcast, having look, having watching the show 23, 22 years later is just so eye-opening sometimes. It's really informative sometimes. It's just so different. Yes, and I actually kind of, I listen to the podcast and I love your perspective on that. <laughs> it's very witty. It makes me laugh. And sometimes I found myself wanting, but what about this? And what about that? Like, there's so many little things that come out. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure you have a ton. Ooh. Oh, yeah. Did you watch all three of your episodes? The four, yes. Four. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so what did you, what did you think? Like, going back, what, what were all the thoughts you had? Well, a couple different things. I mean, obviously to see us so young as babies now and to think about, you know, how long ago that was and then where all of our lives have gone since then, it's sort of like watching um, a living diary. You know, it's, it's got like, you know, I remember certain things that happened on those days. And when those days were off, I remember what was happening on those days. And I found that to be kind of interesting. Um, and then there were some scenes that I was like, I do not remember saying this. I do not remember shooting this at all. Um, you know, uh, so yeah, so that was, that was my first impression takeaway as an outsider, as the actor, then as looking at going a bit deeper into the story, I was, you know, it's interesting. I had a feeling of a, a bit of shame, to be honest with you about this kid. And, and I feel like now if you were to say, where is Ty 20 years from now? I was like, well, I think he was on portrait of a serial killer. <laughs> I'm pretty sure at this point. He's he's going to have a lot to deal with, I think, in his adult age. Yeah, he had a lot of issues that needed to be uh, addressed pretty quickly. Yes. I mean, for sure. I, I want to hear your guys' perspective a little bit on Ty. Well, he certainly was, um, you know, he went for what he wanted. What he wanted. What he wanted was Jen. <laughs> and he went for her. Yeah. He was not going to take no for an answer. I mean, as someone who I... Like, I'm sure, you know, you listen to the podcast. I never watched Dawson's Creek when it was out. I don't know how I missed it, but this is all my very first time watching it. So this is from a very fresh lens of a adult viewer in 2021. But I was always very confused by his character and the hypocrisy, which is pointed out in the show about how he's has these very strong religious beliefs, but then is also going to this like very odd jazz club where they're very freely serving underage kids and he's all pianoing on the stage. It was, it all just didn't really track for me, but you know, Dawson's was very quirky at points and I liked how they peppered in those quirky characters here and there. 
Um, so I think it worked for sure. But like you said, I think it worked for the main characters on this show. I think his presence actually was really important. And, and the thing is, is to be so unlikable and not realize how unlikable you are until you go back to watch it again or you start to see what other people are saying and making fun of in a way. And just recently, there had been a repost on Instagram from some of Ty's, Ty's scenes and they had tagged me on it and I had forgotten about some of them. And I was really surprised at how manipulative he was incredibly manipulative with this sense of kindness that came across with this church thing about him and i i don't think i really thought about it in that way until i rewatched the episode i'm not sure what i was thinking about at the time now you know like back then when we were actually shooting it if we were talking about the story i was probably happy to be there <laughs> you know <laughs> I mean, that's a job yeah, exactly. I was really happy to be there. Um, but I think otherwise it was as far as the discussion of who this character was, all I kept saying, he's the most complicated character I've certainly ever played. And then to see how, go back and see how unbelievably manipulative he was in his actions, where he would come in and just try and over and over again, almost in this... I, I'm glad I played it as sweet as I did, because if I don't think if if he hadn't been so smiley and friendly about the whole thing, I mean, really, it's kind of creepy. Yeah, he's definitely got some narcissistic vibes going on. But I think it had to happen to have the discussion to see the opposite side, because I can't imagine any one of these other characters on the show saying the things that he'd said about Jack's character when Jack came out, calling him a fruit fly. I mean, you know, if it, in a quacker. I mean, he kept, he kept calling him a quacker. You know, and at some point, I think I said something like, hey, I'm not some Dorcas McForkus standing here or whatever. And I realized 20 years later, yeah, no, you really kind of were. I mean, (laughs) I did point out the Dorcas McForkus and I'm using it. It's solid. It's a solid line. I'm adopting that into my everyday vernacular now. I can't even remember where that came up. I remember there being a discussion about the Dorcas McForkus thing. And I think maybe it was like an off, like, you know, um, behind the scenes sort of joke that the reason why we put it in there. Oh, so that wasn't originally scripted? Uh, I think it was definitely something that we came up with out of fun, yeah. <laughs> fun fact, heard it here first. <laughs> yeah, there was a couple of those. You know, I think at one point there was like, I said something, I used to say, slow down, Turbo. And I think in one of the episodes, uh, I believe it might have been Katie that says it. I don't know if they're on a date or on a boat. I can't remember exactly. And she was like, slow down, Turbo. And I just had to laugh because I know exactly where that came from and why that was there, you know. There's those really funny moments like that, but. Did you guys, do you remember, did you guys do any improv at all on set or did they just kind of like, you know, in moments like that, take in dialogue that they're gearing between takes and incorporate that into the scripts? I mean, I think it was, uh, at the time, it's again, it's very interesting to go back 20 years. So you have to think Dawson's Creek was really um, groundbreaking in its dialogue. So, I mean, they were using words that kids were even heard of before and probably had to look up at some point or, you know, and, and the vernacular was really, um, it was just very unique at the time. And I think that's what made it really special. But what was your question? What, I, I, what were you? What were you? <laughs> uh, how much improv? Did you guys do a little bit of improv or did they just kind of pick up what you guys were saying? Yeah. Oh, yes. Thank you. Um, and the reason why is because Kevin Williamson, again, his writing. And we had Greg Berlanti. You think about it. Greg Berlanti wrote uh, His Leading Lady, I think. Or no, To Be or Not To Be. And also, and I think maybe 213 or 214. Definitely 214 was Greg Berlanti's episode. 
I feel like that he wrote them both with Kevin Williamson. I think, yeah. And, you know, you think about where his career has gone since then. And, you know, this was just... Something. You know, He's done nothing. For he about that. Such a failure. Wow. Yeah, I know. Poor guy. Poor guy. I should look him up. <laughs> I think guy. he's working at Coffee Bean down the street. Oh, is that yeah. right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. He's going to make it. No, I've... <laughs> I really did. I have faith in him. He's, he's, I think he's a really talented guy, a little overlooked. <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess now that you say that, it's like you have these powerhouses in the writer's room. Mike White. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're not really going to. So, yeah, so we, and I think, yeah, and a lot, yeah, I think we really understood that and we really got that their words were important, you know, as writers. And that's what they were going for. That's why the show was successful because it was very specific. Do you remember anything about the audition? It's been so long, I know. As I ask you, I know it's been a while. I do. <laughs> you know, I just wrapped on this series, a short-lived series for ABC called Push with Jamie Presley and Jason Bear. And that was also, that was for ABC, I believe, at the time. And we had just gotten canceled. And so I remember Jason and I were talking about, oh, here we go, back to the grind again. And he's like, well, I got this audition for Dawson's Creek. And I was like, yeah, I do too. And I was like, maybe I'll see you there. And sure enough, he went in the room right before me. And then I went in the room and maybe about a couple hours later, I got a phone call saying, we loved Eddie. He was great. He didn't get the role, but we're going to keep him in mind. And I was like, well, do you know who got the role? Well, Jason Baird. Did. And I was like, ah, that's fantastic. That's awesome. And then um, literally it must've been maybe three days later. And then I got the phone call for this other role. And I remember going in reading it and, you know, and they told me I'd booked the role and then I was going to Wilmington. And I'm from North Carolina, so that was very exciting for me to be able to come back home to shoot back there. Are you from close to Wilmington, or was it like a new experience to be there? That was a new experience to go down to Wilmington, you know, to be, but to be, it was a four-hour drive to Charlotte, which is where I was born and raised just north of Charlotte. And so it was easy for my friends and my parents to come down and come visit set, you know, or us to actually go up there, which we did. We much preferred leaving, <laughs> right, <laughs> and reading and leaving Wilmington, you know. And so it was a great sort of adventure where Mich I taught, I brought Michelle with me to my parents' house in Kannapolis and we stayed there for the weekend and, you know, had a lovely time showing her around where I grew up. And that was a lot of fun. And then at one point, uh, Kerr's girlfriend at the time was from Charlotte as well. So then we took another carpool together and carpooled from Wilmington to Charlotte. And so, yeah, okay. yeah. So it was kind of fun. I mean, you know, I was there for almost two months. So, yeah. Wow. Yeah. I remember taking Rachel Lee Cook for her very first Krispy Kreme donut. Oh, what'd she think? Well, we went every day after that. So. <laughs> what was her favorite? Oh, just the glaze, man, right off the rack. Nice. <laughs> Hot donuts now. Classic. <laughs> yeah, it's classic. It's pretty classic. Um, so it sounds like gener generally you had a really lovely experience working on the show and even though Ty was a bit of a controversial character, especially now, it's a fond memory for you, yeah? Well, yeah, very much so. It changed my life in a way because it was the first show that I had done that was had some success to it. And then right after that, Kevin Williamson left after the second season of Dawson's Creek and then created a new series for ABC called Wasteland, which uh, he took me on to Wasteland. And we went on to that series with um, Marisa Coughlin, Sasha Alexander, and Rebecca Gayhart. Uh, cool. Yeah, Brad Rowe. Yeah, it was a really fun series. And again, short-lived, 13 episodes, and they aired three and yanked it off the air. I was oh, like, God. This industry is rough, man. Yeah, it's, it's tough. It is tough. You know, but the, you know, those were the 90s. Everyone was working and everybody had, you know, a place to be or a place to go. You know, um, it always just felt like there was always work 
around, you know, at the time. And I guess maybe that was because we were sort of in this circle that we always just kept auditioning together and seeing each other all the time, mm. always talking shop, always talking work, you know, constantly. We were obsessed with it at the time. Yeah. Yeah. Do you, this is such a weird, random question, but I feel like um, our dozens, at least dozens of listeners want to know, whoa, camera oh, uh, department. The original. Now, listen, answer honestly. Do you use that mug on a daily basis or did you pull it out and dust it off just for now? I use it. It's funny. I use it on a daily basis. Not, oh, I mean, I am like this one and I have one that's like says squirrel whisperer on it that, you know, <laughs> we have squirrels out here that just come around and have been. Anyway, it's not a whole other podcast. <laughs> well, now I have a different question, which is, uh, what were the gifts like on Donald? Were you there for like the holiday or any of that? What did you guys get for gifts? It's so funny. I actually have one right here. And I was like, just in case. Funny spot was one, one of the ADs on the show always wore Hawaiian shirts. Sure. And so this was the shirt that they gave everybody. And then, of course, on the stitching on the, let me see if I can find it here. But it says, here, wait, hang on. Na, 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 na. <laughs> see that stitching? It says Dawson's Creek second season. But oh, yeah. Red. So it's like this. You can't ever, you can't really see it. But I was like, yeah, you got to camp up on it. Hold on to that one. I, you know. Yeah. I hate the stitcher for that tax write off. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I never wore it. <laughs> Hawaii. I think I wore it in Hawaii once. Nice. Appropriate. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah. When it was appropriate. And I definitely wore it down there. I mean, we all did. So, yeah. But yeah, that was, that was a lot of fun. And the other thing was, is because Michelle and I had a lot of our scenes together, we also had a lot of time off together. And so we would just go to like Dave and Buster's and just play ski ball and try to win as many tickets to see who could get the most tickets to get the tackiest stuff to bring back for everybody. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and we did that quite often as well. But as far as the show goes, man, in, in the episodes, when you do the episodes or you talk about each episode, because I realize you going through each episode on the podcast, right? <laughs> so where are you now with this? Where are, what episode are you on at this point? We just um, watched the two-episode arc, the to be or not to be, that is the question. And that's as far as we are right now. So episode 215. Oh, okay. Gotcha. All right. So you haven't seen the uh, 216 goodbye slam door in the face. The, titan the Titanic moment. <laughs> no, no. I live in um, abject fear every day that Ashley's going to have spoilers. <laughs> Of, like, things that are coming up that she has no idea about. I know. Guys, I'm having FOMO for this conversation. I feel like you guys are in on a joke or something. I don't know you're dogging about. Well, well, yeah. Oh, man. Okay. Well, that's good to know. That's good to know. Because then then I can just, I will just speak specifically on those two episodes as well then. Because, you know, they were kind of poignant episodes as far as the series was concerned. Yeah. And also, you have to think about the fact, too, in the 90s. I think Jack's coming out story if I'm not mistaken, was the first real gay story, I think, on... It was the first same-sex kiss on network television. Or maybe just um, between two men. But, it, yeah, so, I mean, it was a big, big thing when it happened. I remember it. So do I. I mean, I remember clearly, you know, everything that was going on at the time, you know, and especially for that episode, because I even believe that Jack's character was not supposed to be gay, but there was a conversation that he and Kevin Williamson had had I think privately and talked about the issues and talked about the things he wanted to present 
Um, you know, and I just thought it was really great that Kerr went along with it and was like, let's do it, you know, and let's make that, let's make this change with this character. It really changed the storyline in such a big way. You know, Abby is something else too. Like Abby, um, Monica Keenan's character in, mm -hmm. which I'm can't, I can't spoil I know. You can't, that's, that's one of the things that I, uh, I wake up in the middle of the night, like, oh God, what if she sees? It's coming up. We're so, so close though. We're, we're episodes away. So, um, um, but yeah, she, her character is, uh, something else also the worst. The thing that I like, and we talked about this when we just went over and watched these last two episodes is that the writers do such a great job of presenting all of the characters so, um, fully like not everybody has a perfect response. I think Ty is a great example of that, of not having a perfect response, but they are not afraid to show that. Exactly. And I also thought that, you know, it's even with Ty's character. I mean, it, I really do think the writers tried to give it some relief, you know, like the scene with Jen on the, on the swing at the very end. And, you know, can, you know, your narrow minded ways be it whatever, you know, that conversation was there on the swing, you know, and I really think that that was a genuine conversation because I would think to myself, Jen, why are you going back to this guy? You know, like, like he just got slammed by Grams because he was being so disgusting and so judgmental and forthright in his opinions. And, you know, and for a kid who just really just seemed, I mean, come on, dude, you're playing piano in a jazz club and how old are you i don't know it's gray the area is real gray <laughs> you know <laughs> so I, I you know it's just i don't know it's crazy isn't it i just start thinking about it and i start thinking about at that time period and just how when i read the first episode and i was like wait a second i'm taking her to a bible study group where's ty coming from and where's this going and then can you imagine when i read the next episode i took her to a jazz club and ordered two regulars and the martinis show up or whatever and who are you you know and i'm like i really don't know i really i don't know i, mean, I think it's open for discussion but we're gonna find out yeah i certainly wasn't doing that when i was 16 that's for sure no i definitely don't think you know and again i think that was all written for michelle's benefit or for jen's storyline Again, bringing, she felt familiar to the New York scene. This is probably what she was kind of felt like maybe she always wanted to do when she was in New York. And then you come down, you know, and then all of a sudden she's down in Cape Side or up in Cape Side, I guess. Is it, I only get Massachusetts. Where is Cape Side? We've gotten in trouble for this. Please, you're going to get us back in trouble again. <laughs> Massachusetts, yeah. they're yeah. New Englanders. Weather be damned. So her, so her move, maybe she was just missing New York and I gave her that sense of that thing. And then this kid just wanted... Who knows what Ty wanted? Again, I'm telling you, he he is definitely a serial killer. I would love to do it. A, a, a whole story about Tyson Hicks 20 years later just to make the fans really happy and just make him like the most terrible person. But he can't help it. He's so nice. And he just can't help it. He's like, come on. You know, I'll bake you a cake. <laughs> That's how he lures you in. And then he buries you in the piano. Exactly. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. I got I got ways. I got people apparently. I got hooked up all over Cape Side, you know. And then of course he you know, and Ty, there he is at school. He's at some bake sale, right? And then he's you know, he's in the courtyard and he comes up to her, swooping in like whatever or however Ty swoops in on her and is being creepy again. Like this cut this kid just always shows up. And I'm like, what was he doing with Grams? Yes. She's the one who brought yeah. her in. We blame Grams for a lot as well. 
It's not Ty's fault. He cannot help who he is. But Graham's was the one. She did the introduction. She should know better. She should. She really I was should. Disappointed, disappointed in Graham's. Do you remember any, um, like, reaction to the episodes mm. when they were airing on the air? No. I really don't, to be honest with you. I... I think I was working, I started to work a lot at the time period, and I, I just don't even think I really paid it much attention at the time. You know, not as much as I am now. I mean, you know, it's a little bit different now as I'm older and, you know, and, and things have changed a lot in the industry. And, you know, I have a little bit of time. And now with social media, of course, there's everyone's voice talking about something we had. Maybe we had a pager. Maybe I had a cell phone. I'm trying to think. 98. Yeah, probably had the very first cell phone. I'm pretty sure it was probably like, you know. Yeah, like. Yeah, yeah, large two by four <laughs> up against my ear. But, um, but yeah, I mean, you know, so it was really, we weren't connected that way. We talk about that all the time about, you know, we were a culture of uh, taking pictures and photographs. You know, everything's on paper. And, you know, and all of those memories, I mean, I have stacks and stacks and stacks of memories and from Dawson's Creek, I have lots of home video footage uh, from the Christmas party and, you know, singing karaoke. I mean, tons of that kind of content, you know, and at the time there was no place to put it. And now I don't know that I would put it anywhere. <laughs> yeah, maybe that's a good thing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think it's fine just staying it in my little box, and, you know, like, yeah. in its own That's case. just for you. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I had posted some pictures, um, you know, back at the time, but everyone really got along. I mean, we really, cre it was a family, still really close with some of the cast members to this day. Well, that's, uh, that was going to be my next question. If you keep in touch with anyone, namely Michelle, since you seem to be the closest with her. I saw her recent, well, maybe it's been right before the pandemic, about a couple months before the pandemic, we shut down and I went to a screening of a movie that she had done and we saw each other there reconnected and it was a really nice moment. Um, but, you know, I, it's, it's really different. I think we've all grown up and, you know, but when we see each other, it, there is a lot of love there. That is for sure. And Mary Margaret, um, mama, good old mama Dawson, mommy, uh, she, I see her all the time and she is really just, um, you know, a dream as well. She's been a really great friend throughout the years. So yeah. So then, yeah, you have to, I cannot wait till you see the next episode. Me either. I've been really enjoying this. I, I don't know how I missed it. Like I don't, but it's fun. It's what makes the podcast special. It's the riff raff between the two of us, you know? And what are some of your takeaways from uh, for the last these last two episodes? A storyline that has really resonated with me is the Andy storyline with her and taking the medication and how that's being portrayed as, you know, someone with anxiety and depression who also takes doctor prescribed medication. Just the first time that was introduced, I remember my reaction was just like, oh, my God, no wonder why there was such a stigma for so long. Like, this is how it was represented on television, just taking medication and caring for your mental health so that every episode that that is brought up, I always have a reaction to because I'm just very passionate about it. Um, the Jack storyline, I, I just really loved because, you know, it was really important, especially at the time to see gay characters on TV being accepted, unapologetic and really heartbreaking to see that struggle and see the struggle still happening. And, you know, I'm always a fan for Jen Lindley. We love her. We, she's a queen. She's our queen. We love. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's been really fun, especially watching it from a 2021 lens. <laughs> yeah, that, I mean, that's the whole point. I think that's the part that really um, it gets me. It's watching it through a, yeah, the 2021 lens now. Um, 
and to see again, like, uh, I cannot tell you, I really am shocked at how terrible Ty was. I just, I mean, cause I only just watched these episodes last night and I was really just blown away. But did I say those words? Did they come out of my mouth? You know, like it, it was just an, an, a moment of shame of, I don't know that I felt that at the time. And I think it's because of where we are today. I think you said the words because maybe I grew up hearing those words. So it just sounded like I was repeating the words that I had heard before. You know, I've heard it walks like a duck, talks like a duck, quacks like a duck. I've heard that a thousand times over, you know, at some point. And so I just don't really think I thought ah, the, to the level of what I was saying or what Ty was saying and the words that were coming out of my mouth as the actor going, oh, people are going to love me. They're going to be great. Uh, this is, I'm going to be so well received. No, I mean, like you said before, a job is a job. And at the time, back in 99, people weren't thinking like that, unfortunately. So, you know, it didn't yeah. seem wrong. Yeah, but he's kind of the unassuming villain, isn't he? I mean, he really was sort of the unassuming <laughs> villain in a, in a way because, they, you know, that sort of behavior is really dangerous today. Especially when he calls her three times in a row and she hangs up on him three times in a row. I was like, wow, no means no. <laughs> I mean, come on. <laughs> come on jen you really turned me on you're so sexy you have to stop it's all your fault what is he saying to her i just was like oh my gosh what's happening he's also in a basement with a single like edison ball <laughs> swinging above him like it. it's concerning this location is concerning yeah like he lives in his mom's basement yes yeah, yeah totally <laughs> I mean, or that was just his playroom again 20 years later. Oh, you would know. You know the behind this, all the stuff that ended up on the cutting room floor. Exactly. <laughs> oh, man. Well, you can just blame it on Kevin Williamson. It was his words, you know? I mean, he likes a scary movie. He likes a scary story, so. He does, and he likes his villains. I mean, you know, look at the professor, what, or the teacher. What was his name? Um, Peterson. How well-written, how complicated of a character to play, you know, and, and to think, of the, and I love the way that Pacey, the way they wrote, those scenes with Pacey, especially, and the things that he says, and when he really considers the apology mm -hmm. and considers, you know, at, what would you do, Dawson? He has, that, he has that whole conversation with him, you know? And I just thought that that was a, when he walks into the office to the principal and he's like, look, I'll apologize for my action. I'm not going to apologize, you know, for the rest. And I just thought it was really well written in such a, I don't know, it, it get, it, he was right that at the time of these kids, a lot of kids were scared and they just never felt like they had any kind of a voice. And yeah. I wonder today if that would stand up because a lot of kids now have their phones on their hands, you know, their hands, they have their social media, they have ways to posting these things or saying, you know, the sort of things that you couldn't say then, or I don't know. It's just really interestingly different. It would be uniquely different. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Because that would have been on social media before it even got around to the principal, I'm sure. I mean, people breaking into people's houses left and right on Dawson's Creek. People are just coming up ladders, open windows, whatever. High left roads, trellises. There's always a convenient road like trellis somewhere. You know, there's always something convenient and up right outside the kids' room so they can just yeah. hop in and out of each other's windows. A rowboat. Listen, when you're in love, you find a way. Love finds a way. <laughs> and by the way, do we ever see where Joey lives off the creek because every time we see her don't we always see her like running up the dock but do we ever see the boat that she comes in on season one you did season one she had a canoe and she'd have to canoe everywhere and then season two we learned that this whole time 
Dawson has had a speedboat. Yeah. And <laughs> was never offered. Never offered like those things. Um, but we haven't been in Joey's house since season one, I don't think. Uh, we've been there a couple times, but we haven't seen the outdoor couch in a while. Yeah. We haven't seen or the outside Bodie. of the house. Or, yeah, Bodie. I don't know where Bodie went. Uh, that's concerning. Can we talk about my bleach blonde tips? <laughs> I was going to ask, do you want to talk about the uh, those sweet, sweet frosted tips? That was a conversation. I was not happy about that one. Why? What happened? Well, I had just come off of doing Sabrina Goes to Rome. Um, Sabrina the Teenage Witch. It was like the wonderful world of Disney or whatever. So, um, and I had just before that done Push, this show Push. So when I did Sabrina Goes to Rome, I, they had dyed my hair blonde for the series that I had done prior to Dawson's. Then I got Sabrina Goes to Rome. They dyed it dark. But then something happened with the, all the colorization and the chemicals and stuff in my hair. So when I got back to do Dawson's Creek, they wanted me to be blonde again. But I didn't want to go blonde again because I knew my hair was going to fall out. Huh. So they had to do this trick where they had to darken the, the they had, they lightened the top and then sort of lightened around the sides and then decided on these frosty tip things when they were done. Like, that looks great. And I remember sitting there going, oh, um, uh, well, I definitely look like every kid I ever saw in Christian camp. It was such a good time. I mean, that's why, and I, and I just love the story. I love the writing. Like I said, I'm coming to know everybody, of course, out outside off of set you know the creators the writers and just becoming such a family through the years you know this is just means a lot to me you know it's like a baby in a way we get that i mean we're not actors but we work in television so we understand that like tv shows are your family yeah they kind of are for you know and that was a good like two months i will tell you one really funny story we took a break for um between I want to say we shot, we finished shooting two fourteen. the last two episodes or the two episodes you guys will watch. We finished shooting. I had to come back for one more episode, but there was Christmas break. So they flew everybody back. And the only connecting flight was through Washington, D.C. So from L.A. to D.C., they fly you first class and sitting in first class was everyone on Dawson's Creek. And it just so happened that the movie at the time that they were showing on the flight was this movie called Simon Birch. Do you remember Simon Birch? I don't. Well, it was this movie about this kid and this bus wreck, but it was like a, like the, I, I don't, I don't, I think the kid was like maybe mentally handicapped or whatever it was, but I can't remember exactly what, what he had going on at the time. But I do remember when the movie was over, there was not a dry eye in first class. And literally at the exact same time, we all stood up to turn to run to the bathroom to grab Kleenexes and stuff. And we all stood there in line just bawling. And it was like the entire crew of Dawson's Creek. It was a sad movie. I'm glad you're crying too, because now it's just a lot better. You know, it's just really funny. But there's just stupid little moments like that I remember so well as if they were yesterday. Eddie, this was fantastic. Thank you so much. We really appreciate Thank you, that. Eddie. Eddie, where can people find you on social media? At the Eddie Mills on, yes, and Twitter and on Instagram. Um, before we let you go, Eddie, we have to um, also call out Pause PI, which is how we were lucky enough to have you on this episode. Is that um, Ashley has also worked with? Oh yeah, Chloe Weaver was the DP on Pause PI. Pause PI, which I own, is that uh, I have the DVD I bought because I just love Chloe. I'm a, a little bit, she knows it, a little obsessed with her. So I'm glad she put us in touch. I mean, that was, that was a really cool thing for her. So shout out to Chloe. Thank you, Chloe. Shout out to Chloe. What a boss.
Next week, we'll be talking about season two, episode 16. Be careful what you wish for. As always, you can find us on social media at Ashley Zaz, at Kim Moffat, and of course, the show at Dawson's Darlings. Please follow us and interact with us. Kamala Harris follows us. Philadelphia Cream Cheese follows us. Simone Biles follows us. It's insane. So you'll be in good company if you also hit that little follow button. Thank you for listening, everybody. We really do appreciate it.